Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. Oh, baby. We're back. And we got one hell of a case that is uh, blown up this year, even though it's a you know more than decade-year-old case. Right. It's crazy how that happens, isn't it? I, I, would, I, would, I mean, I still wouldn't say it's blown up at, 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 to the volume that it should be for how insane It's blowing up, I would say. Oh, it, it's in the process of blowing up? We're just ahead of yeah. the curve? Barely. Right. I don't know. Riding the wave. We're riding the wave. <laughs> I got you. I got you. When I say this case is blowing up, I think it's because I'm, I can't see the forest through trees anymore. I'm, I'm too insor- absorbed into this case once mm-hmm. I learned about it and started looking into it. And right. of course, once you start looking into something, if you're like, uh, if you you know someone who just bought a yellow Volkswagen, all of a sudden you start looking around, there's yellow, yellow Volkswagens everywhere. Exactly. It's kind of like that with true crime. The true crime world has gotten so vast as far as how many YouTube channels there are and how many podcasts there are. Like, right. And so once I typed in this case, it's like, that's all I see now. Flooded. And maybe it's not, maybe you guys listening haven't heard of this or maybe like a good portion of you haven't, but there are a couple big YouTube channels in the true crime uh, world that have done it now. And so there's a ton of attention that's been brought to this case if you're right. in it, but, but uh, I'm not sure it's uh, it's not like Chris Watts scope by any means, right? And also, a lot of the information that's out there is not putting it blatantly is not accurate. Oh, it's so inaccurate. That's infuriating. That's the number one takeaway I had from this case was well. Also, once again, there's a lot of sketchy police practices, um, detective right. work, and and interrogations, and you know we've talked about that at you know at length. Right. But uh, just the lack of journalism that goes on nowadays, like and and I wouldn't expect you know, your average podcast like us to get everything right and like go out of their way to contact families to get the, the scoop and get the real details. But like if you work for a, a major Times. media outlet or you even <laughs> lo- even a local newspaper, like pick up the phone and call like a family member. And in this case, the father of the victim, right. one of the victims was more than forthcoming and willing to speak with uh, media and give details about what happened in his son's case. Absolutely. Um, but it seems as though rather than do that, the lazy you know media outlets just went ahead and just regurgitated wrong facts over and over again. And almost every article you read about this case is just everything is wrong. Right. They because say it happened in an apartment. They say that the, the, you know, the shooter was his former roommate when she wasn't. It was just everything was wrong. And th- we're going to give a huge shout to a, a YouTube channel Yes. One of the YouTube channels that covered this case that did a phenomenal job actually went out of the way to sit down with the father and interview and get the real facts. And that's where most of my information from this comes from because it seemed to be the only uh, the only way to get real facts in this case. So Right. Thank God for some real journalism out here. But it had to be done know, by, right? but had to be to done to by a, independent YouTuber. Who probably leave it to in, a dude on YouTube to do it right. You know? Right. But, yeah, like uh, you said, yeah. uh, for a local newspaper, it's just no excuse. If you're in Arizona, which is where this case yeah. took place, I, I mean, I don't understand why you can't reach you, out. You have access to, you know, you could speak with the police officers involved. You could speak with the family of the victim. You could speak with so many people, and, I'm sure, that would be more than willing to talk to you. And listen, if misinformation frustrates us, you can only imagine what it's like for his dad and his family, yeah. his mother. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. so you know they would be forthcoming. You know, if something happened to one of my children and all the facts were fucked up, I'd be like, no. <laughs> I I need to get this story right. out here. Please, need, somebody give me a microphone so I can yes, tell you what actually happened. Anybody, please. Right. And it seemed like his father was putting himself out there. Especially like when your son was railroaded by the system. I'm sure he more than wants as many people as he can to talk about what actually happened. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Are you ready to get into it? I'm ready. This is a, one that I've become passionate about. This is, this, this is going to scratch that true crime itch in so many ways for you guys, I promise. So let's get into it. Let's do it, man. should be dead that's what i thought too bullet in the head better make that too everything i said it's all true 
it's all true You should be dead, that's what I thought too Bullet in the head, better make that too Everything I said, it's all true It's all true You ain't lying, Ryan But they ain't trying to miss this thing on you She gone, you're here alone It might be wrong, but they'll miss this thing on you I know you trying, Ryan But nothing could be stranger than the truth Losing the bullet wounds Written all over your face, we see the proof Written all over your face, we see the proof Written all over your face You should be dead, that's what I thought too Bullet in the head, better make that too Everything I said, it's all true It's all true You should be dead, that's what I thought too Bullet in the head, better make that too Everything I said, it's all true you ain't lying, Ryan, but they ain't trying to pin this thing on you. She's gone, you're here alone. It might be wrong, but they'll pin this thing on you. I know you trying, Ryan, but nothing could be stranger than the truth. Losing the bullet wounds written all over your face, we see the proof. Written all over your face, we see the proof. Written all over your That's what I thought too Bullet in the head, better make that too Everything I said, it's all true It's all true Alright, our case this week involves What I'm going to say is the most It will be the most infuriating uh, Interrogation video you've ever watched And there's yeah, been some bad ones That's a bold ones. statement Yeah, I was going to say, there's been some bad ones Yeah, there so that's has saying West a lot. Memphis 3 Whew. Yeah Yeah, there's been a lot of them Um Making a murderer, the the nephew in that one, right? Forget his right. name. This one takes the cake, hands down. And before we go into the story, I want to shout out big time the YouTube channel that we we talked about earlier. The YouTube channel that I mentioned that did an unbelievable video on this that has actual facts and got to the bottom of what actually occurred here. Uh, yeah. The channel is called This Is Monsters. I'm sure it's a lot bigger than us, so I'm, I'm sure many of you have already heard of it and probably already Absolutely. subscribed and have heard this case because of it. But. Um, the, the main guy in that, Giles, uh, created a video. Uh, it's almost like a documentary. It's like an hour and eight minutes on this case wow. called Searching for Justice, the Ryan Waller story. Um, unbelievably well-produced. He sat down and met with the father and got the real story of what happened to Ryan Waller. Um, and it got to the bottom and, and really cleared up a lot of the misinformation uh, around this case. So there's a link to that video in the episode description. Um, it, well done. Very well done. Um, and that's one of my main story, study sources for this case to get the facts right in this. Right on. There was a, a couple other big podcasts that, or big uh, YouTube channels that did this story as well. Uh, Mr. Ballin, I think. I'm not sure. I'm not really keen on that YouTube channel, although it's very mm -hmm. big. I'm sure a lot of you right. was, uh, watched that one as well, but did a kind of help to bring a lot of light to this case as well. Um, yeah. You see the guy that wears a backwards hat all the time? Yes. He's usually wearing like a flannel shirt, a backwards yeah. hat. Yep. Yeah, flannel shirt he had with the interrogation. Like his chest hair poking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had the interrogation on his channel. 
Yeah, I think as well as where I first saw it. Those two channels have have uh, really blown this case up in the in the past, over the summer of 2021. It seems like it it got a ton of attention. Yeah, it does. Even though this crime occurred in 2006, it's just crazy. But yeah, it is. To be fair, this case drug out, and you know there wasn't really justice served fully until 2012. So, right. <clears throat> so let's get into Ryan Waller, who was a victim in this case along with his girlfriend, and ended up being uh, the main suspect, unfortunately. So Ryan was born February 12th, 1988, and shares a birthday with Abraham Lincoln and Gucci Mane. Wow, there was nobody in between there? <laughs> no, oh, that's quite a gap, right? <laughs> right? Well, you got a 200-year gap there? Fucking Abraham Lincoln and Gucci Mane? That's crazy. I can't believe there was nobody else on February 12th. Right. That's good group, good but, group. Yeah, good group, though. So uh, he was born in Phoenix and grew up in the Phoenix area. He was like 40 minutes away from... Uh, downtown phoenix he graduated right. from high school in 2006 same year as me oh right on yep right on. um and he was a, a little bit like you as well he was a talented self-taught musician according to his father he could hear a song on the radio and five minutes later have it figured out on his guitar and had <laughs> dreams of making it big as a musician playing in a successful rock band and touring right on who doesn't yeah right <laughs> um he'd been ryan had been playing guitar since he was 11 um, and earlier in 2006, he started dating a girl he had known since they were both kids, Heather Kwan. Heather, uh, was a few years older than him. She was born April 10th, 1985 and shares a birthday with David Harbour, who I'm sure you don't know based off his, his real name. But when I say right. Hopper from Stranger Things, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, and he's beloved the detect- by the many because of that show as he should be. Yeah. Yeah. He's the sheriff, right? On yeah. Stranger Things. Sheriff yeah. Hop. And then Steven Seagal. And Steven oh, Seagal. Shit. Break the out your yellow uh, shooting master. sunglasses and get re- get ready to have your arm snapped over your shoulder. <laughs> Serious. Some kind of judo <laughs> chop or some bullshit. That Knock guy. Out three guys at once. He's one of the great characters. I, I, it just makes it so much better that he takes himself so seriously and he really thinks he's the guy from those movies. He really does. Like He's convinced that he well, taught Anderson Silva like the, the front kick that Anderson's knocked people out with. Like I taught him right, that. Right, right. But here's the thing, though. He plays the same character in every movie, so at a certain point, you're like, are you that character? Because <laughs> I really am. It, that guy. Yeah, it's like every single Steven Seagal movie is the same thing. I remember my dad was obsessed with Steven Seagal growing up. Like He watched all those movies. He still likes those movies, yeah. you know, shoot em up action movies. He's not really focused on the plot. He doesn't give a fuck. Right. But I remember going in there and watching this. He's like, check out the Steven Seagal movie. He wouldn't even know the title. He'd just be like, look at the Steven Seagal movie. Over the top. So, under, <laughs> under Siege. It's under always siege. under or over, over something. Under, beside the Siege. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah, it's the same movie over and over again. It's, it's, you know, it's like a Clint Eastwood. It's like a Jason Statham. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Those, those, they play the same character. Uh, maybe not Clint Eastwood. You know, as he got older, he played other things like Gran Torino and whatnot. Yeah, but, Clint's got a little more depth to his character. Yeah, he's got more depth. Yeah, I misspoke on the Clint Eastwood. Still making movies at like 100 Statham. years old, too. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's true. He just that's had another true. movie come out, and he's just like the same, like gravelly, hey, kid, let me show you something. Uh, uh. You know, let me teach like, you some boy. Yeah, bro. Maybe hang him yeah. up. <laughs> Is he just going to direct it now, you know? Yeah, well, he, he, he does, but enough. he has to be the main guy, too. Oh, of course, of course. So, um, Heather Kwan and Ryan met in early two. Well, not met, but they started dating. They'd, they'd known each other, as I mentioned, since they were kids. But they started dating sometime in early 2006. And uh, 
as we mentioned, she was born in 1985. She was a few years, few years older than Ryan. Um, right. And she was a 2003 graduate of Mountain Ridge High School in Glendale, Arizona, and completed her education at Glendale Community College and was a student at ASU and planned to attend law school. So she wanted to do... Wow. Very ambitious. Yeah. She, she was into... Um, she wanted to be a defense attorney. She wanted to be in the crime world. Ooh, um, tough job. And she also liked to give back. She volunteered as a big sister with the Valley Big Brother uh, Sister Program and was known as strong-willed, compassionate, and caring. And she felt when others were hurting and did her best to um, help them as well. Right. And uh, so let's get into why we're covering this case and why we're talking about Ryan and Heather. Um, as Christmas neared and Ryan and Heather had been doing uh, and been dating for more than six months in 2006, in late December, um, they were living together. They had rented a one-story home at the end of a cul-de-sac with a friend named Alicia. Um, and on Christmas Day, 2006, somewhere, it's believed somewhere between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m., they were at their home. Um, she, uh, Heather, was asleep on the couch, um, mm -hmm. and they heard a noise, or Ryan heard a noise, at his rear sliding door. Um, yeah. He gets up and starts heading to the, you know, to the back of the home where the, the sliding door, where he heard the noise, and sees yeah. that two men are entering the home. They have uh, guns. Um, they had lifted the door off the track, it's believed, making the latch that held the door uh, in place come free. And right. they entered, and they shot Ryan twice, uh, once in the face and once in the side of the head. They then walked oh. in and shot Heather while she still slept on the couch twice in the head, killing her. Um, God, and brutal, so that was man. Christmas in the early evening. And so when Ryan, of course he had, they had plans with their family. It was Christmas. So that evening Ryan uh, was supposed to come over with Heather to his father's house for dinner. Um, right. and when they didn't arrive, his, his parents became concerned. They actually drove over to his house. Um, and he'd only been living there for a month and a half. Um, and so his father wasn't really sure if he was even home. The garage was closed. It seemed like everything was shut down and, um, yeah. he ended up, calling a welfare check because it was not like his son to not, um, to just not show up to Christmas dinner. It was, they had a close relationship. Um, in fact, Ryan had been over at his father's house on the 23rd, just two days prior, helping him remodel his bathroom. Like they had that sort of a, you know, close right. relationship. So it, this was odd behavior. Um, he calls the police and, you know, requests a welfare check and it takes the, ends up taking the police like, like over three hours to finally show up. There's a back and forth. Um, right. Ryan's well, they're parents, probably thinking, they're probably thinking, you know, you got worried parents on Christmas, whatever, but this is a young couple who's probably just doing their own thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like a wellness check on an elderly person who lives alone. Right. I'm sure they asked questions, and they were like, well, who is this? Oh, this is your teenage son and his girlfriend. Right. Are you sure okay, he's just well, not home at the time? He's not at a friend's house right. or whatever. Yeah, sure you sure he's just not asleep? Like, yeah. He could be hungover, like, whatever. So, yeah. Right. I'm sure they didn't take it very serious. No. So, yeah, so... As um, Ryan's parents are waiting for the police to show up and check things out, they they end up going to a coffee shop. And during that time, the roommate shows up at the house, um, Alicia. She shows up mm -hmm. in that short window when the parents had been there and left and before the police get there. She shows up yeah. and she comes in and goes straight to her bedroom, as many roommates do, you know. Right, right. You mind your own business. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get along. Most of the time, you keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not like a big family thing and everybody eats together. When you have roommates, you know, you want to respect each other's privacy. That makes right. sense. Yeah, so 
Phoenix police would finally arrive at the scene. And at this point, Ryan's parents ha had arrived back at the house as well. So they're waiting to see what happened. Um, the police look through the windows. They see an unresponsive uh, woman on the couch. They see Heather Kwan, who has been shot in the head twice. They see her on the couch. And right. rather than usually, usually when police do a welfare check, if they look through the windows they, and they see someone, you know, a human being unresponsive, they, that gives them the ability to enter the home. That gives them you right, know, enough right. cause to enter. They did the not do so. responsibility even. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they did not do so. They called a, a locksmith, I believe, and waited for that person to come, which is like another hour. And finally they started gaining entry through the back door. And Ryan, as he, as he heard the door being, you know, toyed with, opened the door. Ryan Waller, mm -hmm. who had been shot twice in the head, unbelievably, oh, yeah. is up and walking around and actually answers his door. He's like, "Hello." <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. This well, is this is, a, this is a, not this the is this is the second time someone has been trying to enter his back door, and the first right. time he got shot twice. And that's what's the most amazing to me. But it, you know, when you realize that the dude has a bullet in his brain and he's not thinking clearly by any means, it right. makes sense. He's almost on autopilot exactly. at this point. Exactly. So the first thing the police see is this dude, you know, answering the door. He's got uh, his face. He's got some severe damage to it. He's got a, a black eye that's so badly uh, blackened that it's closed and mm -hmm. some cuts to his nose, it looks like, upon first appearance. And he's right. wandering around, but they find his girlfriend shot dead on the couch. And mm -hmm. so they immediately do a lot of times what, police shouldn't do they assume he is the perpetrator he's the one who killed his girlfriend well and, i mean to be far i mean he is alive awake yeah. and coherent enough to answer the door with a dead person in his house yeah i mean you can't help but think this guy's involved yeah or or he's in the process or this just happened and he's trying to hide the body or something you know i mean you can't help but think that yeah and also I, I don't know. to try and put yourself in the police's shoes also like he's he, what we see in the interrogation is initially maybe evasive, you know, behavior as far as the questioning. Right. But yes. the more you realize that it's just the dude doesn't know what's going on. His, he has memory loss. He has brain damage. Um, he's been shot right. in the head what twice. You, right. What you originally thought was evasive, you realize it's just, he's just disoriented. Yes. You know? So... Ryan, rather than being what standard practice would be, the paramedics arrive, because they do. They arrive shortly after the police gain entry to the home. Rather than right. having Ryan looked at before he's assumed a, a suspect, even if he is a suspect, he still should have, you know. Still be checked he out. He still should be looked at by paramedics. And what, like what you said, like it looks like a, you know, a black eye and whatnot, but like the pictures I've seen, I don't know, They're but bad. like his nose gives away the story. You can see a hole on each side of his nose. You can see an entry and an exit and then an entry into his eye. So the bullet went right. through the, I believe it was the, like, uh, the, maybe the right side of his nose or the left. I don't, I don't remember. It would have been, yeah. it would have been the right. So it went into the right side of his nostril, out, not nostril, but the, the, you know, the, the side of his nose, nose, the right side of his nose, out yeah. the left side of his nose and into his left eye is where one of the bullets went. Mm. I just don't know how the police get that close of a look at him and don't kind of con consider well, that as a possibility. Like they just said, they just figured he got punched in the eye and something else happened to his nose. Right, right, right. But he is extremely disheveled, you know what I'm saying? And he has severe bruising and discoloration. They probably can't tell what's a hole, what's just black bruising, what's, you know what I'm saying? They just become I, just obsessed the with the, doubt. the girl that's shot on the couch and he is 
conscious and walking around and not making right. any so sense. He mu- right, so he must know something about it. You know, right. I mean, you can't help but think that as well. If you came up on this scene, even as a normal person, you'd be like, dude, what'd you do to your girlfriend? How right. did she... You know, you, you just can't help it at this point. But where it goes from here, like you said, he should have been checked out, though. If they just yes. go through the normal the normal steps Procedure. and have everyone checked out, everyone evaluated before anyone's taken into custody, yeah, this is this is totally avoided. Yeah, I, I feel maybe, like... Maybe a, his life saved. I feel like a police officer should have stayed with him, gone over to the paramedics. They should have had the paramedics take a close look at him with the police officer there to make sure everyone was safe. Exactly. And... You know, and then he should have been taken to the hospital because they would have, you know, any true paramedic would have seen like, okay, this guy's really messed up. Like, yeah, his he has but, no cognitive ability right now. Like, he, he doesn't know what he's disoriented. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what happened, and he's got a hole going through his nose and his eyes completely swelled shut. Yeah, like he needs medical attention now. And this was a, a time was of the essence. He had a bullet lodged in his brain at this moment. And there was right. brain swelling going on. There was an infection that was starting to set in because the bullet had gone through his nose and into his yep. eye and into his brain. And so, yep. you know, it went through the mucus in his nose. And time, when it comes to an infection, is very uh, crucial as well. Like, they ended yep. up not being able to do brain surgery on him for an extra couple of days because they had to wait until the antibiotics killed the infection before they could open up and work on his brain. That right. cost him it was a- greatly in the end. Yeah, and he also had bone fragments from his eye yes. socket all yes. up in his brain as well. Six that pieces were of his eye of socket irritation. were in his brain as well. Right. Yeah. So, so Ryan, tedious. rather than being uh, checked out and taken to the hospital, was placed in the back of a squad car as the police invested the crime scene. And he was left there for about four hours in the cop car oh, while his God. father could, got, could not get anywhere near him. His father was told to stay on the other side of the street in the cul-de-sac. And when he got near the car, initially when Ryan was put in there, um, a, an officer actually went chest to chest to him, according to his father, and, and threatened him and said, take one more step, take one more step. Because once again, Damn. they assumed Ryan was you know, the killer in this situation. And, right. Yeah. And thought that the father may be wanting to assist him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a tough situation as a dad. I'd be like, I'd be damned. Do you go let me see my son? Like, you can pat me down. You can check me for weapons. Something. Right. Yeah. But that's I, that's fishy right there. For sure. Uh, his, all his father was was concerned for his son's safety, as you would exactly. expect. Exactly. You know, they're God, learning now that re- his you know his girlfriend had been shot, and his son comes out and his eyes swollen shut, and he just wants to know what happened and if his exactly. son's okay. And the father, the father called the wellness check. It's yes. like he called you yeah. here. Yeah. Of course he's going to be here. Yep. Like that's yeah, that just baffles me. The fact that his father was not able to look at him. Yep. So after Ryan sat in the back of the cop car for approximately 4 hours, police rather than uh take him to get uh checked out medically, they take him straight to the station for an interrogation. And I'm assuming he was under arrest at this time because when they set him down, they made it clear that yes. he couldn't leave and they gave him they actually read him his Miranda rights in the interrogation room. And he actually mm-hmm. handcuffed himself. You see the odd behavior from the start say, of this he, video. He handcuffs himself because he's just yeah. so disoriented. He's sitting there. They have handcuffs uh, attached to the table that he's sitting in an interrogation room. <laughs> yeah. And he just, you know, just kind of not knowing he's what just, the hell's going on, just playing around, <laughs> handcuffs his own wrist to the table to where he can't even move right? around in the room. It's almost like he's just messing with a fidget toy. He's just like, like hmm, a child. What are these? Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see if this fits my wrist. Oh, cool. It does. Oh, now I can't get up. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
Whatever. I'm tired anyways. <laughs> All he wanted to do was sleep, which is very common when it comes to a severe head injury. Oh, any... I was about to say any head injury. Mm-hmm. I remember when I, my first concussion. That's all I wanted to do was sleep. Yeah. My mom just kept slapping me in the face. She's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Which I'm sure like, explains okay. what he had been doing for the you know prior five six to six hours plus yeah. that he was in the home after the you know intruders had fled the scene and left his girlfriend oh, dead on the couch. Torture. Why he didn't call 911 is, you know, he'd been shot twice in the head. He was disoriented and he was sleepy from severe head trauma. He probably just passed out. Dude. Isn't it amazing, though, that he didn't just fall asleep and die? It is. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. How the hell was he up and walking around for that much time afterwards with bullet in his head? Like, just the fact, like, what distracted him? There must have been something in the back of his mind that was just like, something's not right. Yeah. You know, because every everything you read, and, and even the YouTube video that we talked about, it talked about how he just walked around disoriented for hours. Yeah. Right? Or was it a yeah, was kind it of a like day? on autopilot? Like Yeah. It was a long time that he's just kind of walking around the house just not super knowing confused. What's going on. Super confused. Yeah. Not knowing what happened really. Imagine like, you know, that feeling when you walk into a room and you're like, Why did I come in here? Just imagine that for a yeah. whole day. <laughs> like, yeah. Just no no comprehension, no a way to be able to put things in order and give yeah. reason to anything. The brain is very complex and confusing. Like uh, when there's damage done to it, it, it's almost like we have these file cabinets in our brain and the drawers start opening and files are misplaced and they're like mixed up. Yeah. You know, like you try to uh, say a word and the wrong word comes out. Um, right. Yeah. It's Or they're locked in general and you can't get to them at all. Yes. Yeah. And you see oh. a lot of this play out throughout the course of the interrogation where he's just, he's just super confused as to what happened, why he's in there, what's going on. And so before they questioned him, they would uh, reportedly take about 43 pictures of his injuries, up close shots of his face, and incredibly still don't don't feel that he needs medical attention, even though he's, as we mentioned, I think it's clear that he has an entry and an exit wound in his nose, and the bullet then went into his eye. That's why it's completely black and and shut. Um, And he's clearly disoriented and doesn't know what the hell's going on. Right. Um, nonetheless, they you know they sit him in a room after taking all these pictures, and they make him wait. This part infuriates me, just in general, about uh, interrogations and the arrogance of detectives at times, where they feel like you, you time is valuable for people. You know, what I mean, like they it's it it seems as though I watch a lot of First Forty Eight, and a lot, I've, I've watched a ton of interrogation videos, and I understand like a pretty decent understanding of how in, these. Uh, uh, homicide detectives operate and right. they have no regard for anyone's time or like they assume guilty instead of innocent you know and it's supposed to be the other way around and so everyone that goes and sits down in their room to be interrogated it's it's like they treat them like they're already the killer you know and like Absolutely. they take their time they're sitting there looking through their papers and they leave them in the room for an hour it's all part of this this whole thing but it's like if you're not the actual person that did this they're just being an asshole to you like you're sitting in there for it's like, can we get on with this? Like, I understand you have your right. like your your way of going about this, and you have your system that works to get people convicted and stuff. But it's like, they sit this dude in there. He's got two, a bullet in his brain and severe head trauma and everything else, and and like they just have no regard for his time. They're taking forever to get to the actual questioning part. They t- they spend twenty minutes photographing and documenting his feet while he's in the interrogation room. Wow! Before they finally get to the questioning. All this dude is just sitting here suffering, and every minute is of the essence. And it comes to you know him maybe ever recovering from this. 
But they do this to everybody. Like I said, whether you actually committed the crime or not, if you get wrapped up into a mess like this that is a murder investigation, like you're just... Oh, yeah. Most people don't know that they could technically get up and leave if they're not under arrest. You know, if they're just in there for questioning, you can leave. And, or you can request a, a, an attorney, and then the interview is basically over, you know, at that point. Right. That's all you have to do is say, I want my attorney, <laughs> then it's over. Right. Uh, unless you handcuff yourself to the table, then you have... Yeah, that too. Then or you're if you don't know, because you are so... You know, you're, you have such severe brain damage that you don't even know where you are, let alone to protect yourself with an attorney. Exactly. Um, That's a scary predicament. He yeah. could have said anything that could have freaking implemented him in this. Yes. Oh my gosh. True, right? What's up, creepers? Y'all know how much we love Simply Safe, and our favorite home security company has done it again. They just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera, engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to keep your family safe. I love the peace of mind I have with my Simply Safe system. With sensors on every door and window, I can sleep sound, knowing all my entry points are secure. And now with the addition of the wireless outdoor camera, you'll see trouble coming with its ultra-wide 140-degree field of view and 1080p HD resolution with 8 times zoom. You know, that can be pretty helpful for catching things like, I don't know, faces and license plates. This camera really has it all. Spotlight, color night vision, rechargeable battery, and it easily integrates with your Simply Safe system. To learn more about this exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/creeper. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com/creeper. So, from the start, Detective Paul Dalton didn't believe anything Waller was saying after they when they finally got to the questioning portion, which was like 30 minutes into the interrogation video you'll see online, the first 20-ish minutes are this him sitting there moaning, clearly in discomfort, yeah. and they're taking Trying pictures to to of his sleep. feet and shit. Yeah. Uh, finally, they get to the questioning, and we've got some um, general questions, and these are paraphrased, not, a, not exact wording from the, but they get the gist of what's, how this interview went down. A lot of these exactly. questions will be infuriating, uh, knowing the position he's in, the detective assuming he's the suspect and not knowing that he has a bullet into his brain until it's far too late into the interrogation. But, uh, uh, so let's get through some of these questions. Do you want to play it out like a play here where you're the detective or I'm the detective and yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. okay so I'll play the detective. You play Ryan. Okay. We're going to get through some of these questions. Like I said, they're not exact quotes, um, but they're pretty close. Okay. Um, and it's also kind of scrambled up as well as far as the questioning. But these these questions were asked during the interview, um, and, and uh, you can see uh, just how confused Ryan is throughout this. Um, he he doesn't oh, no know yeah, these his girlfriend's last sense. name. He doesn't know. He, he at, at a certain point he says that um, Heather wasn't his girlfriend; that it was other, his friend's girlfriend. He uh, he's just confused on every level, and the detective initially just thinks he's being evasive. Right. Um, so the, I'm, I'll, I'm the detective, uh, I'll be Paul Dalton for this, uh, and I'll start asking okay. questions. You know why you're down here? No. What happened to your eye? Did someone hit you? Uh, Heather. Why would Heather hit you? It was an accident. Uh, I forgot why. What hit you? Her hand in the eye. I, I just want to go to sleep. Can I go home after this? You shouldn't go home. You should go to a doctor. Referring to his eye. Do you remember what happened to your nose? There's a big chunk missing out of your nose. 
I really don't know what happened, man. I just want to go home and go to sleep. You're not going anywhere. Do you know Eric? Yeah. Who's Eric's girlfriend? Uh, Heather. Heather is Eric's girlfriend? Uh, no. Which this part of it's confusing, obviously, because Heather is Ryan's girlfriend. Right. And she's the one who was killed in the house. Right. Uh, back to the interview. Do you know what happened in that house last night? Is that your house or your parents? Uh, mine. You bought that house? Yeah. Why? What happened? That part in the, by the way, in the uh, interrogation just struck me as uh, a moment where you see through the filter, like, Ryan, there's no way that his acting is this good. Nope. When when the detective asked him if that was his house and his response was, why, what happened? It was so, like, when you watch it, you're like, he was legitimately curious yes, he and was. concerned about what had happened in his house. He He had forgotten what had happened. And in that moment, he was like, what happened? Yep. He legitimately wants to know. Like, yeah. You can't, like, you can't act that out. Like, I've seen a lot of interrogations with lie, like, you know, the suspect that actually did it and he's lying. Like, it, yeah. you never see it, like, that level of legitimate concern. No, but, uh, but what sucks about this whole situation is that the detective just kind of doubles down. He just seems more aggravated about it. Yeah. You know? He's like, quit playing a coy with me. But, yeah. All right. Back to the interrogation. Back to it. Alicia, that girl that lives in your house, you know her? Yes. Well, she said when she got home, your eye was already like that. Heather did that to your eye? No, Alicia. Why? Uh, I have no idea. Hey, Ryan. Yeah? There's a dead girl in your living room. She's dead? Heather? At that point, he truly seemed confused well, and unaware that Heather was dead on his couch. Yeah, and then he goes uh, on. Then he goes on to say, "Well, these people came over, Richie and his dad, with sh with shoe and arrows and darts at me and her with those. That's it. You you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And Heather wasn't there, and Eric wasn't there. It was just me and Heather. <laughs> and then what happened? Richie and his dad tried to break in, uh, in the back. Who's Richie? I don't know. Well, obviously you know him. Uh, he used to live there. Is he a roommate of yours? He used to be. They tried to get their stuff back. They each had two revolvers, and they didn't let off any shells. You just said they had bow and arrows. Now they have revolvers. Yes, they had revolvers, and they shot us both. They shot both of you? Yeah. Where did they shoot you at? I got shot in the eye. You got shot in the eye? With a revolver? I think, man. I don't know. Fuck. Did you shoot Heather? No. I heard you have a lot of guns in your house. No. Ryan, why don't you tell me what really happened, because I don't believe any of this. Richie and his dad came there, and I don't know why. I don't know why, but they put me in a sleepy hold with the arrows and shit. Like, I lived through that crap. What happened and to there's Heather? A whole, hold on, there's a whole diatribe after that uh, from the detective about the sleepy hold. Like, what is a sleepy hold? You just said that. I don't, like, why don't you tell me what a sleepy hold is? And obviously Ryan is so confused between, right. he's confusing his words, you know? Like, he's saying, they, they, he's trying to say, they shot me in the head and I, I passed out. Right. Um, but, but his brain is, you know, not working properly and mixing up words and all that. And of course, the detective's trying to, trying to confuse his story. He's trying to catch him in contradictions and all of that stuff. Exactly. 
Um, but yeah, back to it. Okay. So then Ryan goes on to say, what happened to Heather? Then there's uh, more talk of Richie and the dad. And now the officer is asking why he didn't call 911. Um, did you see if she was still alive? And Ryan goes on to say that he let her sleep. Um, and the detective saying that makes no sense. Why would you just let her sleep when she'd been shot in the head? Right. But of course, not much makes sense to you when you've also been shot in the head and yeah. you have a bullet in your brain. <laughs> exactly. The detective goes on to say, you're all over the place. If they shot you in the eye with a revolver, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. How insulting when you literally have a bullet in your brain because you've been shot in the eye. Right. But I love Ryan's response in this moment and it's so telling. Like he's being completely honest when, when he responds to that because I'll, I'll just say it again like I'm the detective. You're all over the place. If they shot you in the eye with a revolver, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. How do you know? Because most likely you'd be dead. <laughs> That's what I thought too, man. But I really don't know. That response, that's what I thought too, man, but I really don't know, was like exactly what you'd say if you're sitting here and you'd been shot in the face and you're still alive right. while your girlfriend's dead. Exactly. That's exactly what you would... Like, I thought I would be too, man, but here I am. Here like, I am. Sitting in this room answering questions to you, you fucking dick. Like, right, what do you want me to say? <laughs> right. Wow. So uh, as the questioning progressed, it seemed as though Ryan's memory started to briefly return and something close to the real story of what had happened emerged. Uh, and that's the story of this, this Richie person and his father showing up, trying to rob the place and shooting Ryan and his girlfriend, Heather. Um, and after, uh, after approximately 22 minutes of questioning, the detective decides finally to take a closer look at Ryan's face and head yet again. He tells Ryan to put his foot down because his foot was up on the table and leans in and grabs Ryan's head and is like looking at it closely, looking at his nose. Yeah. And... It's sad because Ryan at the time is like, my head really hurts, man, as he's like grabbing. That, that part kind of fucked with me. Yeah, I know. Um, but he takes a really close look and then immediately he like, like he's seen a ghost, like stands up and walks out of the room and he's like, hold on. The detective does. Yeah. And it's like he realized, holy we, fuck. Yeah, he's like, we got to get this some This dude it really has been here. shot in the face. Mm. Um, you got about like three minutes ass. later. <laughs> yeah. Didn't it seem like he'd like seen a ghost? Like he really looked and he's like, the realization set in like, holy shit, this dude actually is not lying. He's been shot in the face. Right. And you have to think like how much wasted time. I've been sitting here grilling this kid for hours yeah. and he needs to be yes. in a hospital. Like, oh yes. my God. He should have already been. Like as soon as the police responded and the paramedics were there, like it should have been, like we mentioned earlier, the paramedics should have taken him away to the hospital, even if it means a police officer rides with him to make sure that there's no escaped attempt or whatever. Right. Whatever you got to do, you know, he should have got help. Whatever you got to do. 43 yeah. photos of his injuries, though, Lauren, you know? He should have been immediately taken to the ER room to have his, you know, brain worked on. Is what it should, to have that either bullet removed or whatever, damaged piece of the brain Absolutely. removed, whatever. Because, like we mentioned, at this point now, infection is starting to set in. I was about so. to say, at least they could have started antibiotics, you know, a day ago or, yeah. or whatever, yes. however long this yeah. fucking took. Yeah. Oh. So uh, after the detective finally, 22 minutes into the interview, looks at his face closer, he stands up and, and leaves the room and says, hold on. And um, they return. He returns and says, Ryan, we're going to have the uh, firemen come in here and look at you, and we're probably going to take you to the hospital. Um, wow. And Ryan doesn't want to go to the hospital. He just wants to sleep. Um, but nonetheless, the uh, firemen come in, they check his blood pressure, they look at him, and then they take him to the hospital at that point. And... At the hospital, it's realized that everything Ryan had been trying to say, you know, but having a hard time saying is it was true that there he had been shot in the face and the bullet had gone into his eye. Yeah. Um, six pieces of his eye socket were up in his brain. He had a fractured skull 
as well from a shot to the side of the head that didn't penetrate. So this seems to be uh, one of those 22 revolver situations that we've seen in some of our serial killer cases where not everyone's skull, um, some people's skulls are thick enough that a 22 doesn't penetrate. Right. That seems to be what happened. It seems like Ryan almost got unlucky in a sense that the bullet happened to travel through his nose and, and like take a turn up into his eye because otherwise he... He may not have. Ha- he may have been okay with you know obviously some some brain trauma from right. the, con- the percussion of the the bullet hitting his skull and cracking his skull and stuff. But like as far as the penetration up into his brain, yeah. If it hadn't gone into his eyeball, it, it, he may have never had the bullet get into his head at all. He'd been shot in the side of the head and it didn't penetrate. Right. Um, That's incredible. This part is just absolutely infuriating though. He they the hospital also realized that Ryan had a broken jaw, which was not suffered from either of the shots. It was allegedly suffered at the hands of police. How? Who had initially responded when he, when Ryan opened that door and the police came in, they seemed to have either thrown him to the ground, may have, Ryan says that one of the police officers punched him in the face. Oh, shit. And broke his jaw. You imagine? Just opening the door and breaking your home, shoot you and your girlfriend, and then the police come and they tackle you to the ground and punch you in the face and break your jaw. Like, what a night. Seriously. I don't know how you do that on a wellness check, like right away. You know what I'm saying? Maybe after they found her dead on the couch, then they immediately probably and, and took a different Ryan's approach. confused. Maybe he was. Maybe he was kind of combative. Uh, you know, not fighting with the police, but maybe he was resisting because just out of confusion, like, it, why yeah. are you tackling me? Like, what did I do? Like, absolutely. What the hell I mean, going this guy on? didn't know what day it was, much less what the front right. the police were doing at his house. Exactly. And the fact that they went, th- they, the police were coming in through his back door after those two, you know, burglars had come in and shot him through the back door. That oh. had to have been confusing as well. Like, what the fuck? Exactly. 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 He's like, oh shit, not again. They're so, trying to pick his lock at his back door. It's like you can't blame you know? him for being combative at this point. You know what I'm no. saying? No. Wow. So Ryan would uh, end up spending 35 days in the hospital. He lost his left eye. Um, there's talk, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Articles say he'd lost both eyes, but apparently... Um, the surgeons had removed temporarily his right eye before putting it back in and he regained the ability to see with his right eye. That's incredible. Um, but it took the the time that it, it had costed him, you know, sitting there in the interrogation, all that time was, was lost. That could have been, you know, could have prevented further damage, the brain swelling and the the infection that had set in it. They couldn't operate on him for a couple of days after he'd been admitted to the hospital because they had to wait for the antibiotics to kick in and kill the infection that he had in his brain. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, nonetheless, he was able to return home, but it would be an ongoing battle with, uh, seizures and memory loss. His father said that the rest of his life, which would go on for 10 more years, which we'll talk about, but, uh, basically for the rest of his life, it was like talking to, an older person that had dementia, like he would repeat the same stories over and over again. Um, He had violent seizures um, that caused him to uh, suffer more damage. He would constantly uh, just have a a random seizure, fall to the ground and and hit his head more. Um, He said that there was one time where he was in the gravel in the, in the yard and he fell and he was, it looked like he had road rash because he was so violently, you know, vibrating on gravel that it just tore all his skin up. Uh, he had one in the grocery store where he had a you know severe fall on his head in the grocery store from a seizure, um, and it would ultimately take his life ten years later. Uh, but nonetheless, he would spend thirty five days in the hospital, lose his left eye, and return home. Finally, the police never came to see him in the hospital. By the way, never ca- came to get more you know more answers as to what happened, or just to check on the guy after you know learning that they had really screwed up. 
Oh, dude, they uh, didn't want nothing to do with this kid after that. You know that. Right. They were trying to wipe their hands with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But they still had potentially uh, violent killers out there that they had to, you know, you'd think just out of concern for that and the public safety uh, as a police department, they would, you know, want to find out what the hell happened. Yeah, um, but they kind of drug their feet so, on that, huh? Yeah. Uh, so, they were probably worried about a lawsuit, Lauren. You know, they were probably oh. lawyering up at this point and going, okay, well, we need to chill out on this case um, because we may have charges being pressed against us, you know, that sort of type of thing. Maybe that's why they didn't look into that case anymore at that point. Well, they they, they had a lawsuit. Uh, Ryan Waller's family sued uh, the well, city of Arizona or the, the city of um, Phoenix, and they yeah. also sued the police department, and they, nothing came of it. It was dropped by the judge. Um, so yeah, that, that didn't even pan out, but, uh, mm. the, he was in the hospital for 35 days. He returns home. And finally, three days after Ryan returned home from the hospital, the police came to question him again. They had a different tone this time. They weren't looking at him as though he was, you know, the perpetrator. Right. They just wanted to know what had happened this time, which is what, you know, maybe they should have done from the start. But, uh, <laughs> um, now they, they get the same story about Richie and his dad. Um, and had they had they like maybe watched the interrogation video and like, let's see if maybe there's some truth to this. Um, 35 days prior, had they looked at that interrogation video, who, who is this? Is there a Richie person? And maybe they'd looked into the rental history of the home that Ryan lived in. They would have seen that right before Ryan lived there, there was a guy named Richie who lived there and he had an extensive criminal, violent criminal history. Mm-hmm. He'd spent four years in prison for stabbing a man in the stomach. Yeah. Um, just to and rob him. Maybe followed up and, and, gone and picked him up they would have had the killer right then instead of letting that dude walk around for 39 more days right um so it's a wonder uh, they didn't run dude it's a wonder that the carvers didn't run well they must have just thought you know oh it looks like they're blaming it on they they, they probably thought they got lucky that somehow that ryan survived and that uh you know they're they're blaming the crime on him is what they thought i'm sure oh yeah yeah so finally after speaking with ryan again they would track down and arrest richie carver Four days later, um, and about a week later, Richie's mother went to the detectives and implicated her husband in the murder, who was Richie's father, Larry, mm-hmm. and he was subsequently arrested. And this will further annoy you as far as this case. Larry's arrest photo shows him in a hospital gown oh, because really? he had attempted to run from police and a dog, uh, one of the police dogs had bit him. So, you know, he needed mes- medical attention, well, clearly. Him, so they took him, him to in... the hospital first. Nah, let his ass bleed out in the interrogation room while they were fucking interviewing him, right? That's what they should have done. I know you got a dog. They hanging do the right off thing for the murderer, leg, but, right? Uh, they take him to the hospital and get his his dog bite wound uh, taken care of before they, you know, question him. But, right? You know, forget the victim who had a bullet in his head. Yeah, <laughs> they treat a uh, career criminal very well, huh? Yeah. So mm. the Carvers, uh, the Carvers were quite a duo there—a father-son duo. They made crime a family enterprise and weren't the most surprising names to come up in a scenario like what had happened at the Waller residence. Richie Carver and Larry Carver both had extensive rap sheets with numerous convictions of domestic violence, assault, and armed robbery. And in fact, Richie Carver had stabbed a man in his chest in an intersection so he could steal the CDs and various items in his car um, and had spent four years in jail and was only out for about 18 months before committing the murder and attempted murder of Ryan Waller and and Heather Kwan. So, yeah, and you don't stab surprising. You don't stab somebody in the chest without trying to kill them. I, exactly, I, I just and, and all just that. to steal a few things out of a dude's car. He did this in an intersection, like the blatant right? disregard for like even his own 
His own like life. being caught, you know, yeah. just like just zero conscious or care. And it, it, it's explained best by a psychiatrist in 2000 who evaluated Richie Carver and wrote this, quote, his moral structure is so weak that his internal control mechanism, his conscious, has no influence over his behavior. That is, he's able to violate himself and others with the same ease he's able to take a drink of water. Adding to his weak moral structure is a sense of underlying anger. Finally, Richie is impulsive. I would rate his potential to act out in the future in the high-risk range. It is not surprising that several of Richie's referrals involve assault, for he could not care less about the rights of others. Although he has been detained several times, he has learned little from his detention experiences. Yeah, that's So accurate. that was written about him before he was released again into the public where he would commit this crime and then be free for another 39 days to do who knows what before finally being taken in by police. Right. Like I said, I'm surprised these dudes didn't run. I mean, God, that just goes to show how yeah. much, how how involved in crime they how were. How they cared. That they shot yeah. two people in cold blood and then just stayed in the town. They're like, yeah, whatever. Yep. Yep. Wow. How much did these dudes get away with, bro? Yeah. That's scary. So let's take this this portion of the episode to get through some of the muck that is the misinformation as far as all the articles yes. that you read, the theories as to why uh, Richie and his dad. Uh, committed these crimes, and it, there's a lot of lies. It, you know, we mentioned they, most articles say that it was an apartment, it was a house. Uh, right. People say that Richie was Ryan's roommate. They Not never true. were. They had never lived in the same home together. They had lived in the same house at separate times. Um, so, what brought the Carvers to Ryan and Heather's home that evening? Was there an altercation? There was a lot of talk about you know this this pissing contest between Ryan and uh, Richie that right. had supposedly occurred prior. That doesn't seem to be true either no they didn't um, there was other. even there was even people saying that uh richie had hit on heather or something and pissed off ryan i don't yep. think any of that's true either mm -mm. um so richie was never ryan's roommate uh, regardless of what you read in many articles they didn't know each other aside from a couple of odd encounters at the house that they had both lived in in separate separate occasions richie uh had rented the home that ryan was renting at the time of the murder but he had lived there prior to ryan he had been evicted by his then roommate, Eric. So there was this dude, Eric, that rented this house. Yeah. He had had Richie uh, rent a room from him and kicked Richie out. Eric was still living there when Ryan and Heather moved in, but then Eric moved out. Okay. So this Eric dude is the only thing kind of tying them together in the house, obviously. Gotcha. Um, but then Ryan, when Ryan moved in, Eric moved out. So it was Ryan, Heather, and their roommate, um, who I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Alicia, Alicia yeah. So they was, were the three that were living in the house at the time. Um, Eric was gone. Richie was gone. But after Ryan moved in, um, it seems as though Richie had made a couple appearances at the house. He had gone by to ask Ryan um, if there had been any mail in his name that had been sent there. Nothing you know, too crazy or out of the norm. I think a lot of us, when we move out of a house, we were curious if some of our mail is still going there. Maybe right. you drop by and ask the current tenant if you know, any of your mail has, has made it there. But apparently Ryan told him there wasn't any mail in his name there. Uh, but there was another odd occurrence. According to Ryan's father, he says that Ryan told him about a night that Ryan and his friend were in the backyard and they caught Richie sneaking around in the backyard. And when they confronted him, he said that he was looking for his four-foot iguana that he had lost while living there. Um, How do you lose a four-foot iguana? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Actually, actually, like, I have you, some experience in this realm. What do you, you live in the that. Everglades? What the hell? So I had a I had a four foot iguana when I was a teenager uh, in my early teens. Okay. Um, his name we named him Serge after the soda. You remember Serge? Yes. How could I forget Serge? Yeah. And this this iguana was pretty awesome, man. Like they're kind of a cool pet. Uh, we used to like throw grapes on the on the living room floor, and he would run over and grab them, and like he was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we ended up get, kind of getting tired of his presence. Like he, it's it's I don't know. It's kind of hard having an iguana living in your living room, you know. So like yeah. 
we ended up giving him to a neighbor and the neighbors had more of a loosey goosey attitude with the lizard. They'd let him like roam the front yard and everything else. Right. And, uh, eventually he ended up like coming back over, like as he got older, he lived out his life and he ended up coming back to our house and dying in our front yard. <laughs> it was kind of bizarre, but. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man. You can lose a four foot iguana, believe it or not, he wanted, especially if you let him just wander wherever he wants to go. He wanted to say goodbye to y'all, man. Yeah, as, uh, as I thought, I found that like it definitely felt like he was coming home, like yeah. like a salmon, you know, coming home, <laughs> back upstream. Right. Wow, four foot iguana. I never knew you had one, man. Never knew it. Yeah, but it's clear that you know Richie was not looking for his iguana. No. He was scoping out the house because he knew the the house's in and outs, ins and outs. He was a career criminal. He was a thief. He was looking through the windows and planning uh, a robbery of this home. Yep. And also, if the robbery was, you know, had murderous intentions where he planned to just kill the people inside, uh, his father, uh, Ryan's father, Don, theorized that, you know, Richie looked at this as a perfect crime setup where it's like he kills the the occupants, there's no witnesses, and then his DNA is already in the house because he had just lived there prior. Right. Um, he also knows the layout of the house, so it's easy to maneuver within and out of the house, and yep. he knows the flaws when it comes to the defense of the home. There was a, a sliding door that he ends up gaining entry with his father that had this, you know, latch set up to where if you like, I think my understanding was if you lifted the the door, uh-huh. uh, the sliding door, you could like get it off of its latch that that locked it. Yeah, you can get them off their Something tracks. Something along those lines. Yeah, you can get them off their yeah. tracks if you lift them up. Yeah. Um, but that's always been a fear of mine, dude. Like moving into a rental property, especially in a neighborhood where I wasn't sure. I've rented a lot of houses in my day, and I've always had yeah. that in the back of my mind. Like, especially there's been some houses where I felt like I should change the locks, you know. And I talked to the right. landlord. I'm you like, definitely hey, should when can you move I? in. For yeah. Sure. I'm like, hey, can I change the locks and give you a key because you know, I, just give me peace of mind because you just yep. never know, man. And this this scenario right here is just the shit of nightmares. You didn't do anything. Yep. You were just living your life. You didn't aggravate anyone. It wasn't it wasn't a run with the dogs and get the fleas scenario. It was just wrong place, wrong time. Yep. And you happened to move into a place where a criminal was and he like you said, he knew the out he knew the uh, layout of the house. He knew every flaw mm-hmm. in the house. That's man, god. It's just such it's so yeah. unfortunate. It's and, amazing though. The details that that are out there like some of the articles i read was like uh he was in an apartment richie and his girlfriend there was a knock at the door in the middle of the night uh it was richie and his dad and like ryan fought with him at the front door and richie put his arm through the door and shot ryan in the head through through the crack in the door and then entered the home and it's like that's not even remotely near what seems to have been the the true story which is that they went through the sliding back door right and as ryan came towards the door they were coming in with guns. He tried to, it seems as though he tried to turn away to run or something. And that's how he got shot in the side of his nose like that. And the angle of it seems as though he turned away his head. Or he smacked it down, you know? Because when you when you go to smack somebody's hand down from your face, you kind of turn your face as well. That could be it too, and yeah. maybe that gun just caught the side of his nose as he was, you know, smacking that gun away from the middle of his face. Yeah. There was also a lot of talk about Ryan, Ryan having a bunch of guns in his home. Absolutely false. There was one gun in his home that wasn't found until much later. It was a gun that his grandfather had given to him, and he had it stowed away so well that the police didn't even find it until after he'd already been like out of the hospital, I think. Yeah, so you could tell um, it hadn't been used in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so there there was electronics and guitars in the home, goods that you know the Carvers would love to get their hands on, especially on Christmas. This was like a Christmas Day treat for That's them, apparently. Right. That's right. They were doing some last-minute Christmas shopping. That's what the Carvers yep. were doing. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of uh, squashing some of the the misinformation that seems to be out there, um, and I, that a lot of that is from the father's mouth, you know, from that YouTube video where he was interviewed. Um, so I'm going to go with that rather than these, you know, just details that have just been thrown around like the telephone game all over different articles and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So we mentioned earlier that uh, Larry Carver's wife, Cheryl, was the reason that he'd gotten taken in. She seemed to be pissed off that uh, her son alone was going to take the fall, even though her husband was was there and, you know, maybe was the reason the crime actually was followed through with. Maybe he was the driving force behind them going there and actually doing it. Who knows? Yeah. But nonetheless, he was there. He took part in it. And Cheryl was going to be damned initially that uh, her son would go down and not her husband. Um, so she'd went to the police when they were still married and provided information about the crime, including details of the confession uh, of a confession that uh, Larry had made to her a few months later. Um, she though, as the trial was coming up, she was the smoking gun for the prosecution. Uh, as far as getting Larry convicted, uh -huh. um, she was supposed to testify. Uh, nonetheless, uh, a few days before the trial, she would invoke marital privilege, which allowed her to refuse to testify and led to the dismissal of charges against him. So, a few days before the, you know, there was supposed to be a joint trial of Larry and uh, Richie. Yeah, this happens, and he's basically set free, and Richie, uh, his trial is rescheduled. Yeah. Um, thankfully, though, uh, Heather Heather Kwan's parent, uh, family were would be damned to let this happen, and they put pressure on the city and then the police department to to get this right. They would end up spawning Heather's law. They created a new law which provided an exemption to the privilege uh, if one spouse voluntary provides, voluntarily provides cops with information about their spouse's involvement in a serious crime. Uh -oh. uh, yeah, and it would take a while, unfortunately. Right. Uh, unfortunately, Larry would walk free for years before finally being tried again. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, in June of 2008, Richie would be convicted of felony murder, murder burglary, aggravated assault, and misconduct involving weapons. Um, and his sentence would be a term of natural life with no chance of parole. So he would be Good. locked away forever uh, off the streets, thankfully, because he's a very dangerous person. Yeah. Um, and Heather Kwan's family appealed to Arizona legislators to use what would become known as Heather's Law. Um, and after some legal wrangling, Larry Carver was reindicted in November of 2011. So he would be free for six years, uh, five, over five years after the crime. Yeah. Um, and would finally be convicted of first degree murder, attempted first degree murder, burglary, and aggravated assault in 2011. And he would also receive a life sentence. Wow. We briefly mentioned how Ryan um, suffered following this incident, partially due to the time that was lost, you know, screwing around with police. Yeah. Um, uh, he would suffer seizures as a result of his injuries, and his life would never be the same. Um, uh, and on January 10th, 20th, 2016, 10 years after the or ordeal, he died from a seizure at 27 years old. God, that's so um, young. So he got and, shot at uh, 17, man. Yeah. Like, we, he had just graduated that year. Oh. He was just getting his life going. Um, yeah. It's it's a really sad story. And it's it's amazing to me that the lawsuit was dropped. Like, that seems like such a that that that's that should have been a slam dunk case a lawsuit against the police department on that one like they clearly dropped the ball but they yeah. seemed to try to cover their tracks they tried to make up the story that uh this crime occurred on the 23rd buying themselves time and trying that basically that that gave them the argument well he'd already been spent over a day 
in this state and, mm-hmm. and uh, the damage was already done. They, yes. they, they, a lot of stuff you read says that this uh, this shooting happened on the 23rd, whereas a lot of contradictory stuff regarding that. Like yeah, and if Ryan's that's father, the case, for instance, said that he was at his house helping him remodel his bathroom on the 23rd. The, right. the roommate said she came home on the 25th and like she, there's no way this could have occurred on the 23rd or she would have known. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, and also, how is a, how is a man with bullets in his head going to walk around for two days? Yeah. If he goes to sleep, he don't wake up. I'm, I'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and say that. You know what I mean? I, I just think right. if he falls asleep in that condition right there, Lord, with the infection, the pressure on his brain, I, I don't know if he wakes up from that. No. There's no way you survive with that type of brain trauma for two days doing nothing, just with no help. Right. There's no way. no way. Well, apparently there's been a pattern of bad police practices uh, overall at the Phoenix Police Department for a while. Uh-oh. And there actually has just recently been uh, an investigation opened by the Department of Justice. Uh, um, they've opened a pattern or practice investigation into the uh, Phoenix Police Department and the city of Phoenix. Uh, so the DOJ is now going to be looking at them for all sorts of misconduct and bad police practices. Detective Paul Dalton, who was the main invest, uh, the main detective that was uh, interrogating Ryan Waller in this infuriating tape um, has been accused of perjury in the past and may not have the cleanest record. I'll trust you all to do your own research on uh, old Paul Dalton. Mm -hmm. Check him out. He's been, I think he's been on episodes of First 48, but he has, there's another young man that he convicted for uh, defending himself at a party. Yeah. um, That that did everything legally. There was a a person uh, brandishing a weapon and like, putting other people's life at stake in this young man who had a cr- pristine record, who had like a you know 4.8 GPA, yeah. uh, had basically defended himself. He had a legally owned weapon and defended himself at this party and protected other people uh, possibly, um, uh, was ended up getting locked away and, and had to like fight for his freedom. God, that's uh, all, all thanks to Paul Dalton. And so, yeah, this guy doesn't have the squeakiest record. Um, I believe he's retired now nonetheless, but yeah. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm yeah. sure he is. Wow. Yeah, so that's, there's, there's a lot of eyes on the Phoenix Police Department, it seems, moving forward, and uh, hopefully they clean up some of their, their practices because what happened to Ryan and what's happened to others there is, you know, it needs to be done better. Absolutely. And I'm not entirely trying to blame Paul Dalton. I tried to put myself in his shoes. Like, he, I don't think, I don't know if he was there uh, upon, I think, I don't think he was one of the police officers that responded for the welfare check. I think I'm sure he they should definitely take some of the blame as well. And he, the paramedics he, that were on the scene should have known to check out this person as well, but the police officers that responded should have made that happen. I think that's part of standard practice, you know? Absolutely. And was he part of the, you know, I doubt he was part of the crew that was taking pictures, you know, of the injuries and stuff. He probably wasn't close up on that. He was probably reading a file of the report of, Mm -hmm. you know, what was initially found. And he was waiting to interview this person who he already thought was guilty. So like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to come at him with just you know, and just stone this this detective I think to death because what would you do? I think it's you know? it, overall, um, maybe from the top down, the Phoenix Police Department had, you know, were, were, there was not enough checks and balances. They were not doing things properly for a long time and they were allowed to get away with a lot of crap and that's how this stuff happens. Like from the jump when they responded and they're looking through the window and they don't gain entry when they see an unresponsive woman on the couch and they're doing a welfare check like that right there, like they were wasting time that could have been valuable, you know, like- right. Seems like the responding officers are every bit as guilty as Paul Dalton is. Um, just all around bad work by this police department, it seems. Right. It seems, you know. <clears throat> what do I know? Yeah. 
But it's like if they break in the room and then they find a deceased woman on the couch and then they find Ryan, they might shoot him, bro, if they have to knock the door down. But the fact that he opens the door, I think that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You know, we could have like a, you know, a, a really bad. Mistaken. And then they would have just swept that under the rug and said that Ryan had, they probably just like found that gun in the closet and thrown that next to him. Like he was trying to shoot us. Exactly. Exactly. Like what happens if Ryan doesn't voluntarily open that door? You know? Oh man. I hate to think about that. Yeah. Do think about that. Well, imagine, imagine uh, they're, they're breaking in through the door and then Ryan thinks that the the people that had shot him and Heather are back. He thinks Richie and his dad are back and he goes out them with some sort of weapon and they shoot him. That easily Dude. could have played out like that. Oh my That's God. what I would have done. If, well, if Ryan didn't get shot in the head, he probably would have been thinking clearly enough to do that. Exactly, right? Instead, he's confused and just answering the door as yeah. if like a pizza's there or something. <laughs> right. Oh my God, it's insane. Just opening the door like it's a pizza or your Oh My Gaia delivery, right? Just like it's a normal oh day. Oh My Gaia. Like it's a normal day, like you're just getting some natural deodorant from Oh My That's Gaia. Right which is an innovative all-natural deodorant and fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And guys, there's tons of scents to choose from, from vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, uh, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot, amber, Barbershop, Pear, uh, Sailor. There's new scents all the time. And we have our very own scent made just for true crime guys called True Crime Pine. And because you guys are true crime guys listeners, you can get 15% off your order by using the code word CREEPER. C-R-E-E-P-E-R. You get 15% off your order at ohmygaia.com or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. That's ohmygaia.com. O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A dot com. Guys, you won't regret it. Get you a natural deodorant at a great price. And stop putting aluminum in your armpits. You know what I mean? There's also scented oils uh, and also beard oils. So always check back at ohmygaia.com for all types of new scents. I'm sure I'm sure Wendy is working on things for the new fall season. I know she has a scent that's great, for the, I've heard, for the fall. It's called Idahoe. Uh, this business oh, is, yeah. is uh, located in Idaho, and she has one called Idaho, which smells amazing. I've gotten some samples of Idaho. Um, I'm still wait. I'm still waiting for the Carolina home uh, scent, Wendy. I don't know when you're gonna make that, uh, but it, it just smells like uh, like pine trees and barbecue. So if you could just whip that up for me, I'd appreciate it. Not just, <laughs> just nice. mix just mix true crime pine with a little barbecue smell. There you go. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We're going to get to some reviews. Yeah, we got a couple here to, to cover. I want to thank those that have gone and taken the moment to rate and review the show. Um, if you want a shout-out, that's one of the easiest ways. You just go on iTunes, click five stars, and then you don't even have to write anything. If you if you would like to, that would be cool, too. Uh, or you can just put, like, fire emoji. You have to put something in the comments so that we can see it. Right. Um, but, yeah, I want to thank Mare Bear, uh, who this week wrote a review. It says, cracks me up. I work 10-plus hours a day and spend the majority of that time listening to this podcast and busting through my projects. Definitely a favorite above all. Thank you, Mare oh, Bear. And I'm going to – I rarely do this. Shout the one stars. Thankfully, we don't get a ton of them, but usually we skip right past them. But I feel like this one's kind of funny because this is like – you know, just – Grow up. Yeah. Uh, this per- skill heckle of all things. Like, you're, literally, your name is Heckle, 
and you're one star meh tuned in for 30 seconds and got called a freeloader (laughs) 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 and you are a heckler don't take yourself so seriously we're just joking like how can you call your name heckler and you don't like being heckled like okay i know right what's up with that whatever then we got uh ga jenny so georgia jenny says uh self-proclaimed biggest fan five stars i've been listening for a long time and now that i figured out how to leave a review got a way in i find it impossible not to love lauren and michael of course their content is amazing the music is perfectly il- illustrates the tone of this each story but what i love most is the integrity the guys bring to the stories their empathy for the victims and their families speaks to their integrity these aren't characters they talk about they're real people i'm sure their moms are proud of how they represent respect my mom is yeah sure. uh my mom is probably oblivious to all this, but yeah. Thank it's good you. to know. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know that that is, you know, that's what we try to do. That's it all is. I'm saying. We, we're not always perfect in that regard, but we try to give, um, you that's know, the right. victim's side of things and we try not to glorify the, the killer. And we. Right. Yeah. It's tough to add that sympathy with the levity as well, you know, without some people thinking that you're, you're, you're trying to make a joke out of this, this horrible thing yeah. that happened. Um, that's why we try to be we try to be very uh, tactful with where we place. I always our jokes keep in mind like that, that the the victim's family may listen to it. I always try to keep that Absolutely. in mind. Absolutely, I never want to get an you email like from a family member that's like, "How dare you like make fun of my dead child or whatever?" Like, I never want to. Oh my god, that'd be do heartbreaking. That to somebody, so yeah, yeah. Now we have gotten I have gotten some messages uh, from listeners that uh, were family members or connected to cases, and so far they've all been positive. So yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> right. You know, it'll, it'll be all right. So, all right. Well, we, if you want more content from us, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash true crime guys. Two bucks a month gets you access to our once a month Patreon only episode. Yep. Many of the, the biggest names, serial killers and things like that have been done on there. There's three plus hour episodes on, you know, Jim Jones and uh, Ted Bundy and all of the, the big hitters yes. on there. Um, and if you want to go up to five bucks a month, you get an extra podcast all together with me and Michael, where it's not true crime. It's just us hanging out every Friday. We get on, usually spend about an hour answering listener questions, yeah. uh, scenarios, you name it. We just shoot the shit. Yep. Um, and yeah, five bucks a month gets you access to that. Plus, you get the gold creep band sticker in that $5 tier as well. Right. That uh, other show Lauren's talking about, it's called Just the Banter. And it's every Friday. Yep. And uh, we just released episode 48 of just the banter. So there's 48 just the banters on Patreon, uh, not counting probably close to 100 Patreon-exclusive episodes like Lauren mentioned that are two to three hours long, um, and yep. all types of other files that we've put up over the years, outtakes, and uh, there's pictures of paintings and artwork that we've done over the years. There's there's all kinds of stuff to be enjoyed on Patreon, guys. It's, and it's that's, nearly that's four years of content just, just been saved there. Yeah, and also I, I, we forget to mention that if you don't like a monthly charge on your card, you can pay up front and actually ends up being like let's say you do the two dollar tier. Yeah, it ends up being like a dollar eighty or something because if you twenty one sixty per year gets you uh, it gets you a whole year and you don't have to worry about your you know your monthly charge anymore. It just pays you up front for for twelve months and you save like think ten percent or something by yes. paying up front like that. Yes, you save ten percent, and at that two dollar tier, now you'll get access to our premium episode every month. Um, yep. But and I think, you know, with five dollars a month is the is the uh, just the banter tier and the sticker tier, yep. and it ends up being I think instead of sixty dollars a year, bucks. I think it's fifty four. Yeah, so it's fifty four dollars yeah. for the whole year, up front, and you're, and you're good. You got true crime guys for a whole year, and you get so. the whole backlog of every episode we've done, all the just the banter's, all yes. forty eight of them. 
and it, um, it's it's a lot to the, it's a lot to navigate through, but it's all there. <laughs> There's plenty of content, that's for sure. You won't have to consume anything else for a while. It'll you know <laughs> if you don't want to. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There's quite a bit. And if and if you're already up on the Patreon and you've already listened to everything we have on Patreon as well as the free platform, you can check out our other show called Strange and Unexplained, which is also available on the free platform. New episodes come out every Monday. Strange and Unexplained, where uh, we tackle unsolved. Uh, missing persons, unexplained cases, and me and Lauren weigh in on these cases separately. I give you the facts, I give you some detail, I give you my opinion at the end, and then Lauren comes in with the Lauren synopsis and gives you, uh, you know, a, a few details. Sometimes he fills in gaps that I missed, or maybe he found some different information. We talk about that as well, and Lauren gives his opinion on, you know, what may or may not have happened in this unsolved case. So it's a good time every Monday, strange and unexplained, wherever you listen. So anything else? All right. Is that about do it? I mean, we got tons of we could we could do you free uh, lotus. Yeah, we could <laughs> we could shout out <laughs> shit that we got all day to you free lotus. But uh check out the link right below the description, True Crime Guys link tree, and you can find everything True Crime Guys Productions right there, guys. So we appreciate all, all right. the support. All right. Yes, we do. All right, guys. That's well, it. We'll see you next week for another uh, free episode and hope you have a great week. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. In the desert we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was True Crime Garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the Creeper Army We out here making murder True Crime Guys In the desert we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was True Crime Garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming.